we've got a big request, a fun request. Oh, I know, and that's I'm really a bit look- of a change from normal, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really looking forward to what you guys come up with when we eventually tell you what we want from you. Yes, we're going to be asking for a bit of help. We need your help. Um, but we're not going to tell you now, no. <laughs> we will tell you a bit later in the show. Gee, what a tease. I know. Kick it off. Speaking of the show. <laughs> Go on. Kia ora, this is News Boy. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. A jury has found Donald Trump sexually abused a journalist. So what happens now? Also, ice baths. Are they legit or is the hype just pure, unadulterated, uncut hype? Why some events at the Madrid Open have some up in arms. And what exactly is country music? That's a big old question, but we've got all of that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Well, the Donald Trump circus seemingly never ends. In case you missed it, a jury has found the former president liable of sexually abusing journalist E. Jean Carroll and then defaming her by calling her a liar. This was a civil case, which is why the phrase liable is used instead of guilty and also means he cannot be sent to jail for this crime. Instead, he's been ordered to pay $5 million in damages, but his lawyer has already said they will be appealing the decision. So how will this very serious case and now jury decision impact Trump's campaign to get back into the White House? Well, joining us now to unpack this is Jack Queen, a reporter based in New York with Reuters. Hello, Jack. How are you doing? Great. Thank you for having me. So talk us through where this case came from, what he was being accused of and what he's been found liable for. Sure. So right off the bat, I'll just say that Mr. Trump denies all of these allegations. He claims that he never met Miss Carroll, that this is part of a Democratic plot against him. But what she alleges and what she testified is that they had met briefly at a party before for about five minutes or something like that. And then in either 1995 or 1996, she doesn't quite remember, she was shopping at Bergdorf Goodman, which is a high-end department store in Manhattan, and bumped into Mr. Trump. And he recognized her, said, hey, you're that advice columnist lady. And she said, hey, you're that real estate tycoon. And he said, I'm shopping for a gift for a woman. Why don't you help me out? Give me some advice. And she recommends a few items, a hat, a purse, things like that. And then he says, I know, lingerie. And so they go up to the lingerie department. Miss Carol picks out a piece and he says, why don't you try it on? And she's just kind of joking, bantering with her with him and says, well, I think you should try it on. And then they end up going to the dressing rooms. And then she alleges he slams the door behind them and shoves her up against a wall. And it lasts for about three minutes. So the original accusation was was rape, right? But we've not ended up with him being found liable of that. We're not really clear on uh, why it was sort of a halfway verdict in that regard. And unfortunately, we're not really going to know unless some jurors or decide to go public, um, which has been difficult for us journalists and frustrating because um, the judge in the case, given the sensitive nature of it and concerns about jurors being threatened by Trump's more enthusiastic supporters, took the step of making all the jurors anonymous and in an extra step, anonymous to even the lawyers, which Trump's lawyers said was sort of unfair because going into jury selection, they didn't know who these people were and couldn't do any background research on them and so forth. Jack, court processes in the US can be circuitous and and complicated. So like what what stage is it at now? Like, is that it? There's a long road ahead. The saga is far from over. So Mr. Trump's lawyer has already said he's going to appeal, which is expected. 
But also the judge still has to enter a final judgment and approve the verdict. He could change it. He could modify it based on arguments that Mr. Trump's lawyers make. Mm. So that process could take weeks or months even. And then, you know, the appeal process will take probably as much as a couple of years. And this isn't the only court case Donald Trump's uh, faced or is facing, right? Can you remind us what else is going on in this big old pot of Trump legal action? Yeah. So and there's another uh, another big ticket one is happening in Manhattan as well. That's a criminal case. And that's over alleged hush money payments that he made to a porn star ahead of the 2016 election and then allegedly falsified business records about. So that one's currently pending. Then he is also under investigation by a district attorney in Georgia over his efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election when he lost to Joe Biden by, among other things, calling the secretary of state of Georgia to try to get him to, quote, find the votes that he needed to prevail in that critical swing state. And then, of course, there is also a U.S. Department of Justice uh, probe by federal prosecutors into his handling of classified documents post-presidency. He was found in possession of, I believe it was something like 100 highly classified documents at his residence in Mar-a-Lago well after he had left office. And of course, that's uh, that's concerning and is uh, potentially a crime. It's just wild, honestly. Like, hearing you, <laughs> I can't like handle just, it. We have a lot of fun oh over here. I cannot handle Jack, it. Just finally on this, you know, in the background of all this is the fact that Donald Trump wants to run for president again, and he's leading some polls. Do you see this ruling impacting that campaign at all? No, I mean, I think we've talked to a lot of political strategists about this, and the consensus view is that this is not going to impact his standing with his base of supporters. They totally take his word for it. They don't believe any of this. They think that it's a hoax. It's a scam. I mean, it's quite remarkable that we have a jury in a case in Manhattan federal court after a two-week trial determining that a former president and current candidate for office sexually abused a woman. And it's in, in prior eras, that would have been a seismic verdict that would sink any other politician. I love that you use the phrase quite remarkable. Yeah. It's extremely, it's just, extremely <laughs> remarkable, I think, is the correct adjective to you. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I suppose it is. I suppose it is. As many things are with uh, Mr. Trump. Mind-boggling, Jack Queen. Thank you so much for your time and insight. Just fascinating stuff. Great to chat. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Okay, as mentioned a bit earlier, we have a request for you, and it's a goodie. Yes, we have got an interview coming up, very exciting, with funny haha man Chris Parker, and it is going to be all about how to survive between the ages of 18 to 25, because it is a funny time in your life, isn't it? It's weird. You, yeah, you've left home, and legally I guess you're an adult, but you're not really an adult at all. And, you have no you know, idea well, what you're doing. You don't know how to do the washing or like cook more than two dishes. And then, well, bam, you know, you're kind of having to set up, lay the foundations for the rest of your life, right? I even took this all one step further and I moved to the other side of the world at the age of 18. And the one thing I wish I'd known in terms of surviving between the ages of 18 to 25 was to stay away from this delicious thing they have in the United Kingdom, Cadbury chocolate spread. Yeah. I think there are a lot of things that I would change if I had that time all over again. So those are two pieces of advice for you already. But we want to know what you want to know or what you wish you'd known. So send us some questions, some suggestions for Chris Parker. You can also send us some important tips too, if any come to mind. We'll chuck something up on the Instagram today that you can respond to, but you can also email us newsable at stuff.co.nz. 
Kia ora, I'm Adam Blair. I played the great game of rugby league for the Storm, Tigers, Broncos and the Mighty Warriors. And I'm Goran Paladin, sports presenter and rugby league fanatic. I won a World Cup too. I played 51 tests for New Zealand. Yeah, he's a national treasure, people. Come on. Blairy and I, we're joining forces for a brand new rugby league podcast called League of Our Own. Each week we talk Kiwis across the NRL and of course everything was. All the big names, the big stories. And some of my own stories too. Well, if we can make them fit. We'll make time. Okay. League of Our Own with Blairy and Goran. Debut ep dropping on Wednesday afternoon and every Wednesday after that. You can listen through stuff.co.nz or wherever you get your podcasts. Proudly brought to you by Snap Rentals. Mate, your, your stories are way too long, eh? Nah, we've got to take them on a journey. <laughs> oh, the journey. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Emil, have you ever taken or done an ice bath? Yes, I have once, actually. In about 2009, after a football match... It was not a pleasant experience. I'm not really a cold guy, am I? Or rather, I like being in cold weather <laughs> so long as I am also warm. It's like a manifestation of dominance over nature. You know what I mean? Mm, was it a, a strenuous footy match? Is that why I jumped in? I think it was more that the ice bath was there and I enjoyed the novelty of it. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and also probably took my... Um, o- overrated my athletic abilities. Um, how about you? No, absolutely not. Don't think no? you could pay me enough to do it. <laughs> <laughs> They're having a bit of a moment, though, I suppose, aren't they? The newest golden child of the wellness industry. Mm, and supposedly they bring remarkable health benefits if you do one. But is there actually anything backing that up? Stuff National Correspondent Katie Kenny's been looking into this, and she's here to chat about that now. Kia ora, Katie. Kia ora, Imogen and Emil. Before we get into this, obviously we have to ask, did you do some serious investigative journalism and try an ice bath out yourself? I didn't try it as part of this piece. I, I have I have actually done them in the past, but I sort of got far enough through investigating this to realise that the benefits might not make the, um, the pain worth it. What are the claims, Katie? Can you lay out what ice baths supposedly are meant to do to us? I think at the moment, some of the biggest claims are around boosting your mental health and reducing anxiety and depression. The idea that cold is good, ecstasy through suffering, is not a new idea at all, is it? These sort of self-flagellating practices are not new at all. Um, they Ice baths, like in particular, go way back to ancient Greece uh, where people used mm. hot and cold water for therapeutic benefits. So, Katie, you talk about self-flagellation and supposed mental health benefits. Like, tell me about the thinking behind that. Is it sort of like, you know, by putting yourself in a really uncomfortable situation, you are suffering and through suffering comes clarity, just as iron sharpens iron, that kind of thing? I can't speak for like all suffering, but specifically focused on the kind that comes from sitting in cold water. We do know that swimming in cool temperatures is actually really good for you. Um, studies have shown like a bunch of benefits from boosted mood and related cardiovascular benefits um, and, and some really significant mental health benefits as well. But what the science remains unclear on is whether sitting in cold water without doing the swimming is still good for you. Are there risks to this? Actually, the thing with a lot of the plunges that causes issues is when you sit in cold water and your skin temperature cools down quickly, you get a cold shock response. When you put cold water on your face 
and hold your breath, it causes a different response called the diving response. So the diving response slows down your heart rate and the cold shock response speeds up your heart rate. So you've got these clashing, it's called autonomic conflict, and it can really confuse your heart. And it can, it can cause heart arrhythmias and in some cases death. For these purposes, um, that's probably a good place to draw a line. Katie Kenny, thanks very much for your time. Really appreciate it. You'd think, given the number of scandals in recent years about uniform and women's sport, that that sports administrators would have learned a thing or two. What, you mean like the, uh, the time FIFA boss Seth Blatter suggested that female footballers play in more feminine clothes like they do in volleyball to boost popularity? Yeah, or when about? the Norwegian beach handball team got fined, fined, because they wore shorts instead of bikini bottoms while playing handball. We could do this all day. We literally could do this all day, but we won't. Um, but we're talking about this because there has now been another very much unforced era in this realm, uh, this time in tennis at the Madrid Open. Zoe George is the host of Stuff Sports Podcast, The Podium, and she's here now to discuss this with us. Hello there. Hello. Yes. So there have been not one but three sexism scandals in the Madrid Open in as many days, and one involved the uniforms. They replaced ball girls and ball boys with models and then put the models <laughs> in crop tops and little skirts. That's the women. Now, I'm all down for crop tops and little skirts just as long as the men get to wear them too. Hang on, I miss this. So the ball people were literally models instead. Yes. Normally you have children doing yes. this job, right? And they stand with their arm up. And the guys got to wear loose-fitting polo shirts and shorts. Yeah, the gals were on full display. On, we're wow. on full display. As close to. Yeah. So after there was outcry about these, well, it turns out models, uh, the ball people having to wear, the, the the women having to wear these skimpy outfits, they did give them an outfit change, right? Yes. Except it was like baggy, baggy. basketball yes. shorts. Not great. I almost, I looked at that and usable listeners, you're going to go have to have a look at this as well. It was the worst outfit I think I've ever seen. It's very MC like, Hammer, isn't it? Yeah. It was, I just didn't, I would have, I would have been like, actually, you know what, I'll put the skirt back on. This has been described by Pilar Calvo, the spokesperson for the Association for Women in Professional Sport, as a form of gendered violence. It's something that goes under the radar, but when we make women have to wear something like this, it is a form of violence against women. Well, hold on, Zoe. Let me let me let me ask you this though. But like, I guess the counter argument would be, it, it's it's a tennis outfit. There's the element, of course, of like. If you're giving someone this uniform, then they don't have any mm. say in it. But I, because you know, I have I have also seen that this is sort of seen it, it voiced that this is kind of a, um, a, a kind of hand hand wringing sort of exercise. What would you say to that argument? Well, when you have a choice and you give people the choice, and if you want to wear a mm. bikini or whatever it is when you're playing beach volleyball, or if you want to wear a little skirt and a little crop top, you have that choice. Mm. But when someone says to you, "No," mm. do you know what? Number one, you're a gymnast, you have to wear a tiny little leotard, mm. or you're a swimmer, or you're going to be a ball model, not even a ball girl or ball boy, and you have to wear a tiny little crop top and show off your stomach and wear a tiny little mini skirt. I'm not okay with that. And what message does that send? All very valid, and I back you up on those points. There were other parts of the tournament, though. We'll, we'll pivot from oh, yes. the skimpy outfits. Yes. Um, something around cake? Yeah. 
cake. So we had two athletes who had birthdays uh, during the tournament. And number two, Carlos Alcaraz. He was on centre court on Friday and won his semi-final. And marking his 20th birthday, he got a three-tiered cake on centre court. Then uh, Sabalenka, number two women in the world, women in the world, uh, who won the singles title on Saturday, was given a single-tiered cake <laughs> for her 25th birthday on Friday. Uh, so hang on, when was the dude's birthday? Uh, his was on Friday as well. So it was both of it them. Was the same, same day. day yeah. Same yeah. day. It has been described online as astounding and misogyny. Uh, and as a ranker who won this the doubles tournament, who was silenced and wasn't able to speak after winning the doubles tournament the other day, said that this couldn't be more accurate on the treatment. It's just, I mean... Were they all stupid? <laughs> Who, the people or- <laughs> running it? Because the saying goes, you can't help stupid people. And so like, maybe, were they just a bit thick? <sighs> Who knows? What's going on? I think they did They they did address it, I think, the tournament organisers, and they said that it was because he was like the hometown boy and he was playing on the main court. Shit. And they also pointed out that they gave another tennis player a cake who had his birthday earlier in the tournament and it was also a single tiered cake, but it's uh, it's not a good look, is it? Optically, it's, it's it, explaining is losing poor. in this in many situations, and particularly in a situation like this. Zoe George, thank you for your time. You're welcome. And of course, you've got your own episode out later today. Yes, yes. We've got All Blacks, Black Ferns. We've got Rally Driver, Hayden Patton. Oh, what a great tease. Yes. It's out at 12 o'clock later today. So get your ears around that, newsboard listeners. We only just talked about Ed Sheeran, who beat his court case, incidentally, that we discussed a few shows ago. We're talking about Ed Sheeran because he has been booked to perform at this year's Country Music Awards in the States. Mm. And some people are a bit confused by this. Mm. Uh, can you imagine why, Imogen? Well, when I think of Ed Sheeran, it doesn't scream country. I don't even no. know if it whispers country. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I'm a Galway yeah. girl, sure. Ah, okay. On yeah. the cusp. Maybe. Well, okay. Well, this brings up an interesting philosophical point. Thank you very much. I do pride myself on bringing up philosophical points. <laughs> well, which is like, you say Galway girl does sound country. Ish. So what is the sound of country to you? Um, oh, now that you've asked me that, I don't have an answer. No, I know. I'm playing the song like, in my head. Um, I'm like, is it is it just the band? Is it the banjo? Yeah. Or the, like it's, deliverance style? It's the wider question of like, musical genres and whether they actually are important. And music is such like an expression-y, fluid yeah. kind of industry. Why do you need to compartmentalise yeah. things like Yeah, what are these like barriers? This? Get in touch. Tell us what you think defines country music. I'd be very interested to formulate an answer here. We could collectively, as a newsable team. On that note, that's Newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells. And I am Emil Donovan. If you enjoyed this episode, please do follow us on your favourite podcast player and leave us a rating and a review. But um, it really does help other listeners to discover the show and we really would appreciate it. Also remember to follow us across all your social channels, Instagram and TikTok. I realise that's only two. Uh, we're at Newsable NZ. And they're a great two. There's a lot of great content on those two platforms. So give it a follow. Catch you tomorrow. If you liked listening to this pod, help us make more like this. Visit stuff.co.nz support. 
that you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line no, there. No, that, I think Chris, that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. It, it, yeah, we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Actually, Nothing in there. there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.